welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast. I'm uh, here in my living room with our uh, special guest um, for this week, Tom King, or should, sorry, should I say Tim? Whatever you want. <laughs> I hope uh, people didn't realise that was me. Uh, I was chatting to a few people on Sunday. Most people realised okay. immediately. Some people, it took them a little while, I think. And so there was there was a little bit of surprise there. Um, also, Tom turned up at my front door this morning and um, was actually enjoying the cold rain. Is that... Is that actually? I like the fact that it's just going to rain all day. Like we get crazy rain for like twenty minutes. <laughs> like someone turning on a tap. Isn't Everywhere it? floods, and then like an hour later, it's all dried up. <laughs> well, uh, Tom, thanks so much. We were when you were preaching for us on Sunday. Um, we realised chatting just now, didn't we? That that was the the first time you've preached to us um, live in the flesh as the Bridge Church. The last time you preached in the flesh, mm-hmm. we weren't even. The bridge. No, I think it would have. Well, it would have been just before Naris and I went to um, Thailand. I think so. Like summer eighteen. Maybe. That's crazy, isn't it? Mental. <laughs> so, should I ask on the podcast how you found it? Was that was that weird, or do you? No, it was like to be honest. The best thing about it was that I didn't have to spend like four days translating it into Thai. First. <laughs> That's my usual vibe these days. Yeah. So, so did, did you did you get to the end and think, man, I finished already? That that was quick. Uh, I, it was nice not to have to think about like the meaning of every single word that I was trying to say. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, it was a treat to have you all with us and have you preaching to us. And uh, of course, uh, as usual, we're following up on Sunday sermon uh, in the podcast. So um, Tom was preaching to us from uh, the end part of Hebrews 12, the mountain of fear and the mountain of joy, the way he's headed up in my, uh, my NIV. So let, let's start with talking about heaven because that's always a nice place to start, Tom. You said that... Um, is clearly heaven being pictured here uh, as Mount Zion and you joining these angels in festival gathering. Um, suppose the question I had, how much of the reality outlined here then, would you say, is now, because it does say at the start of the passage that you have come, mm-hmm. uh, and how much of it is yet to come? Nice, easy question for you to kick mm-hmm. off. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's... Um... That's a great question for so much of what Jesus has achieved for us, isn't it? Yeah. So there's always that sort of now, but not yet, mm. or and not yet, depending upon how you want to phrase it, um, element, I guess, to so much of what Jesus achieved for us on the cross. So I think in this passage, yeah, like we're, we're not enjoying that physical reality yet of mm. being, you know, we, we still live before Jesus has come back. So yeah that physical reality of being in God's very presence um, is not our reality. And yet spiritually mm. it is Yeah, because uh, Christ is with us everywhere we go. The spirit indwells us by living in our hearts. And so I think we have the, the spiritual reality is completely true of us mm. this morning, wherever you're sitting, whatever you're doing. Yeah. Um, and yet there is more to come in the full enjoyment of that physical reality only when christ comes again yeah but I, yeah i like that way of putting it i mean it's, and it's an awesome thought isn't it i it's hard to get your head around but yeah that we come uh, he says that to, to yeah thousands of angels mm. in joyful assembly so i suppose that raises another question in my head so this is great because we're doing this pretty much unscripted today i'm just going to chuck questions at tom i'm preparing for but yeah there's that question about is it now or is it future and we're saying it's it's, it's kind of both yeah. But is there a, do you reckon there's a particular emphasis in this passage on us individually, or is this about corporately when we meet to worship, or is it bigger than that? Yeah. The now I, element, I mean. Yeah. I, 
I think I would just, I'm going to bottle it and just say both. <laughs> yeah. like, That's what we always say on this podcast. Yeah. We must realise that right now. I think, yeah, there's, I mean, what Jesus has done for us, he's done for each of us individually. And yet the purpose of what he did was to bring a people to himself. Mm. So that is an individual, individual reality that each of us can enjoy and experience. And yet I think there is a sense in which we can only fully enjoy it as we gather yeah uh, and not yeah. just as humans but with spiritual beings mm. and all of god's creation um, that worships yeah. him like i can't remember it says that it's a roman somewhere like the whole creation mm. literally is designed for worship yeah so um and yeah i think that's the beautiful bit about that bit in hebrews isn't it and it's a, i think it definitely is a little i mean it's an echo certainly isn't it of some of that language that's in revelation as well mm. that ultimately the garden temple that God built in Eden mm. that we ruined mm. is restored in this beautiful city that comes down out of the clouds. And yeah. that whole city, that whole realm of existence is God's temple. Yeah. And then oh, mate, you, of his people, doesn't he? So Exactly. This, this is brilliant because you, you're, you're linking now some of the stuff we covered when we were in Genesis yeah. with where I need to go in, in um, or maybe Dave needs to go and get Hebrews 13 because it, yeah. it's wonderful, isn't it? All these threads, yeah. whichever bit of scripture in start, the more time you spend, they start getting pulled together. Yeah. I love, yeah, I love those ways yeah. of putting it. That yeah. That's really helpful, actually. So so when I when I go along to meet with my with my fellow Christians on a Sunday to worship, there's a sense in which, a real sense in which, not physically yet, but we are joining with heaven, yeah. angels, yeah. more importantly, God and Christ themselves yeah. as we worship. Yeah. But then it's placed on a Monday morning too. 100%. Yeah, awesome, absolutely awesome. All right, well, we, we've been asked spend all day on the, on that question. Um, what else was I going to ask you? Yeah, I'd be interested to know your thoughts. Again, this is a nice um, nice sort of, well, potential tension in the text, but may, maybe it's not, see what you reckon. Um, you know, the picture here, if I'm, if I'm understanding this right, is that as he's contrasting Sinai with Zion, the old covenant with the new covenant, what we have in Jesus now and what the old covenant saints had that we don't have to come cringing in fear you were very clear on that very good on that on sunday that um we can just enjoy the presence of god the fact that he's with us but then you also got this reference uh verses 28 and 29 therefore since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken uh, let us be thankful and so worship god acceptedly with reverence and awe mm. for our god is a consuming fire so you've got these ideas of uh, joy, comfort, but then also worshiping with reverence and awe. I mean, you could translate that fear, I guess, God being a consumer of fire. Um, how do we hold those ideas together in our heads? Are they completely different or not? What, what would you What would you say on that? Um, yeah, I, I suppose that I wouldn't really see any sort of tension there mm. in that. I think it's possible to utterly enjoy something that you are also reverent towards and in awe of yeah um yeah i i don't, I don't think i would see his engine there at all um mm. i was chatting to neris about this actually and she uh this is a neris king original and she was saying it's like when a kid <laughs> sees like a massive horse right yeah. like there's part of that little kid's brain that and i'm realizing i'm comparing god to a horse which maybe not be the best idea but like <laughs> rough analogy yeah rough, very rough <laughs> Blame their ass. Um, <laughs> like that, yeah, that we you know when that kid's like, I look at Evan's little eyes mm. when he sees like a massive horse and he's mm. like, what in the heck is this thing? Yeah. But his first instinct is to 
like lean in towards it because he wants to see it more and he wants to he wants to touch the mm. the hair and he wants to see what it feels like he wants to enjoy it mm. um so he, if that's helpful yeah that, that, like, i really like um, that well done there's i like that one yeah <laughs> i think maybe that's a way that yeah you don't have to see a contradiction or a tension between those things mm. like certainly they're both characteristics of god that are emphasized throughout scripture and i yeah. think I think they're ones that we can hold together without necessarily feeling that they sort of contradict one another. Yeah, definitely. Because as you're answering that, then I'm just, what popped into my head was the Lord's Prayer. You think of the way that's done. Our our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So we have to hallow, honor his name. He's he's in heaven. And yet he's Father, he's he's Dad. I mean, it's... They're not, con- yeah, they're not co- contradictions. They might immediately appear to us like that, mightn't they? But then when we spend time looking at them, they're, they're not, yeah. which is, well, uh, what's the heart of the gospel? And that's yeah. wonderful. Uh, and Tom, you obviously, you when you were um, preaching Sunday, um, uh, you talked about this idea of us having, um, being with God, being in his presence, and you used the phrase, the beatific vision, um, and how that that's talking about when we see God, see Jesus, see the triune God somehow one day, um, that we'll see him and be like him. Now, just a warning for our listeners, Tom and I often end up talking about this stuff when we have our Zoom course, um, the whole beatific vision and uh, what it means to, to be with God and be glorified one day. Now, you can fill a whole podcast with this, but anything you want to add to that, you'd think, oh, I didn't get the chance to say this Sunday, how you describe what that beatific vision means and how that helps us now. I mean, I think there's probably an element of it, which is understandable. Mm. Like the reality of what that will be is beyond our grasp, I think. Um, Mm. But I think it's, I think the pattern of scripture is pretty clear and certainly theologians for the last 2000 years have, yeah, I would say, almost entirely whoever you're talking about have an idea of what that looks like Mm. in terms of us participating in the divine nature yeah that's Um, that's the verse we talked about a bit is it and i think that um that's in two peter somewhere Mm. if you're looking for it um and people have called it sort of deification Mm. um if you chat to a sort of Eastern, Eastern Orthodox theologian, they might call it this thing called theosis. Mm. Uh, the beatific vision is generally what Catholics would call it. Mm. Um, but it's all describing the same idea that the unbelievable reality is that because of what Christ has done and because of um, the fact that he has forgiven us mm. uh, through faith, God the Father sees Christ in us. Like we are so united to him, so closely associated with him by our faith in him that, yeah, I mean, John 17, isn't it? That beautiful prayer that Jesus prayed Mm. very clearly at the end. Jesus says that through our union with him, the Father loves us in the same way that he loves the Son. (laughs) which is like crazy. <laughs> That's mind-blowing, isn't it? But I think that means that, you know, when we get to meet him in a sort of sinless reality, which again is sort of like you know, the idea, like I'm so aware of my own sin, <laughs> that the idea that one day I will be sinless in eternity is sort of, yeah, mm. I can't ever conceive of that, to be honest. 
But um, mm-hmm. but all, like, I remember reading a book once, which was by uh, um, Timothy Ware, who's an Eastern Orthodox mm-hmm. theologian. He had this idea that it's almost like if you were to picture like the three members of the Trinity standing in a circle, holding hands, it's almost like Jesus holds out his hand to you and invites you into that reality. Mm. Uh, not in the sense, of course, that we become like God. Mm. So I'm not going to become God in that reality. I, I remain human, but I'm invited to join in that reality. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm invited to participate to an extent, in a sense, yeah, in God's reality. And I think for me, like, what's interesting is that like, this is the point of the gospel. This is where it's all heading, isn't this it? This is what it's all about. Yeah. And you'd even have someone like Calvin who would say, this is the point of the gospel. Mm. Like, um, in his commentary on 2 Peter, he says that. And you would even, I mean, you you read someone like Thomas Aquinas and the way that he lays out his systematic theology is that this is the, this is the yeah. end. This mm. is the point. Um, I guess... Like maybe in Protestant theology, we would call this glorification. Yeah. Maybe. Um, but I sometimes I think that because we divvy it up like we do in mm. that ordo salutis, yeah. it's, we sort of separate justification, mm. salvation from glorification. It, yeah. it, we can just see it. The, do you know what I mean? Whereas, and I, and I, yeah, and I, it feels to me, this is stuff we talked about before, yeah. isn't it, that we, we don't go um, as Protestant evangelical whatever labels you want to use christians we often don't quite go far enough yeah um because maybe we think some people have gone a bit too far in trying to define this we don't yeah. go far enough because glorification mm-hmm. seeing god one day often gets talked about as yeah when we get there when we see him we'll be made perfect you see that in hebrews 2 the souls of righteous men made perfect yeah. be sinless resurrection bodies end of story mm-hmm. but actually like you've been saying scripture seems to be saying more than that doesn't it yeah. that we're united with christ that john says when we see him, we'll be like him. And yeah. then that phrase in Peter, in some way, participants yeah. in having fellowship in the divine nature, which yeah. seems to be a bit more than that. Yeah, I think so. So and all I your think, caveats are really important. I think we don't become yeah. God, we don't become divine, yeah. but it's, it's more than just being yeah. made sinless one day, isn't it? Absolutely. And yeah, it's just crazy. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> like, we're, both, we're both just sitting, you know, you can't see us, we're just sitting here shaking our heads because we, I mean, the, the old the old time theologians called it the... Um, when talking about being united with Christ, the mystical union, didn't yeah. they? Because they accepted yeah. we couldn't, we can't completely understand yeah. what that means yeah. and what that will look like. Yeah. But it's going to be glorious. Yeah. Um, so anyway, thank you for pointing us on Sunday to the the, the beatific, which should have said actually, shouldn't we? That the beatific vision, as in that's the, from the, the word beatitude, blessed. It's the it's yeah. the the blessed, the happy making vision of God, yeah. isn't it? And that's what we're, that's so we're I, heading towards. I think I'd use the word bliss mm. on yeah. Um, Sunday and that's um, that's certainly the way that some people would tr- want to translate that they'd yeah. say like like it is happiness mm. but it's it's almost like happy is like an inadequate word to describe that yeah so bliss some people would go for but mm. um, and doesn't this help answer the question I think that sometimes Christians I know I have as a Christian in the past thought is is because we we've been given this sometimes Sunday school picture of heaven mm-hmm. that's the end goal heaven itself and think, what's it going to be? Are we going to be bored? Yeah. Well, it's it's not just heaven, is it? It's mm. far, far more than that. Being joined to and enjoying yeah. God. Yeah. Incre- would you agree? Because in- I've said this before in church, yeah. increasingly enjoying God. Yeah, I think so. Forever. Yeah. And I think just because we're 
I remember reading Don Carson, I think, on this a while ago. Just because we're sinless, we don't know everything. We're not like mm. omniscient. We're not yeah. God. Yeah. So there is, there are things that we keep on learning about God. Yeah. For eternity, like every day, if there's even a day, we will learn something more of how good and kind and glorious God is. Yeah. Amen. You're not going to get me off on that rabbit trail whether it's going to be days or not. So we're not going to go there. We're not going to get back into Revelation. Um, the, the, the last question I got prepared, Tom, um, and I, you, you really did unpack this on Sunday, but just to talk about it a bit more, mm. yeah, and there was clearly a lot of yourself in it, in that sermon on Sunday, and and you know you you've seen in patios and people going through hard stuff. Mm. You and Neris have been through hard stuff, and you said looking up can be really tough because we say that to each other as Christians. Look yep. up, keep looking to Christ. Well. You know, that's true, yep. but it's easy to say. And you said we can ex- we can experience His presence with us every day, whatever mm-hmm. we're going through. Praise God for that. So, for someone who's wanting to look up mm-hmm. and wanting to experience His presence every day, mm-hmm. but is struggling to, which is all Christians at some point, right? Yep. How, how would you encourage them mm-hmm. to do that? Yeah, I guess. Um, I guess for me, I can only really talk about like my own experience. Mm. Um, and I can maybe suggest a couple of things that were helpful for me. Mm. Um, I think, like Tom mentioned at the end of last week's sermon, that um, it's really good to be like vulnerable with other Christians and yeah. talk to them. Yeah. Um, I would say for Nez and I, particularly, is I mean, it's sort of funny now to think about it with Evs here, but mm. when we were working through our sort of infertility stuff, mm. um, like we, I guess there were times that we tried to do that, but it was really hard. And I guess there were some people that were very open and receptive to those conversations and was so helpful. Mm. Um, and there were other people, maybe he just didn't know what to do with that. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you end up having this massive heart to heart and they sort of just avoid you next time you're in church or whatever. And oh, it's, yeah. Like yeah. it can be so, I totally understand that actually even just talking to another Christian can be really difficult. Mm. Um, I think like for myself, one of the things that I realized was that my uh, perception of what God was like was off. Mm. Um, so I think I'm a sort of quite introspective person anyway. I'm very aware of my own sin. And so reading lots of books about like, um, emph- like heavily emphasizing Jesus's work on the cross, mm. which is utterly true and utterly essential. Um, but I think, yeah, like missing that final step, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Um, so I think I sort of alluded to it on on Sunday. I had this uh, vision of the Christian life that was basically about me, if I'm being honest. Mm. And it was about me ha- having to do stuff for God to make him love me. Yeah. Which is a pretty self-centered way of, of viewing it. Um, yeah, but and, I've you know, be, been there. And I, again, I think yeah. that's, that's most Christians at yeah. some point, isn't it? Yeah. And then I think mm. when we are, when we ended up in Thailand and the, the job that I'd gone to do wasn't quite what I'd imagined. And like I struggled massively with language and culture. Suddenly I just, you know, all of those things that I defined my own Christian identity in, mm. which were the things that I do for God, um, which make him love me in my head. I couldn't yeah. do any of those. Mm my default was to go to God must be sort of displeased with me. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, I, th- <laughs> I think that was, I mean, that was really hard. Like I sat in that for a long time. I still sort of do sometimes. 
Um, yeah. And I think that, um, yeah, it, I think in those circumstances, when you begin to view yourself like that as just, you know, a worthless sinner who sort of God basically hates, mm. who maybe God like begrudgingly would save if he really had to. Hmm. Um, and I think like, I'll be totally honest, I think some of the theology that I was reading didn't massively help me with that. Um, again, because I think, you know, within our reformed sort of evangelical world, whatever, we hugely emphasize the cross, which is good and right and proper, and we should do that. Mm. But we often miss that final step of what it was all for. Yeah. So again, like I'd go back to Calvin and say, like, the purpose of the gospel is this relationship with the triune God that we get to enjoy through Christ. Mm. That's the purpose of it. That's what God wants. Mm. Like, it's not like he's begrudgingly saved me and then given me a, a tick list to get on with. And if I don't quite make it, I don't get there. Yeah. It's mm. actually God's default position towards me is love and kindness and grace. Mm. And what he achieved on the cross for me is an outworking and a demonstration of that. Yeah. And I think when you've imbued a lot of, um, for me anyway, like I'm not, this might be completely different for different people. But for me, I'd imbued a lot of that theology that was, mm. I'm basically awful. God's disposition towards me is that he doesn't like me very much. And phew, look what he had to do. Yeah. And mm. I think um, for me, it was like a rediscovery of the character of God almost. Yeah. And, and rediscovering that he cares about me and loves me mm. uh, more than I could possibly imagine. And that his disposition towards me, his default disposition towards me is love. Yeah. Not a begrudging sort of tolerance. <laughs> Does that make any sense? Yeah, because it's um, we can end up in caricatures if we're not careful, can't mm. we? Because, uh, like you said, if I'd, I'd be happy in general terms to accept the, the, the label reform Christian, but Christians in that category can overemphasize certain things, can't they? So, so we'll we'll very we'll be very good at talking about God's sovereignty and God's power. That sal you're talking about the end goal of salvation that it's God's glory, and yeah, mm. that true isn't it yep. he is glorifying himself yep. and then not talk enough about the fact that mm. that that relationship that you're talking about mm. that that's god's goal and yeah. end as well you know yeah. that because it's not just that we have an inheritance one day we're spoken of as jesus inheritance aren't we yeah. He, yeah. he went through all this to get us mm -hmm. i mean that's yeah. just that's just mind-blowing yeah. again isn't it so it's yeah. about balance isn't it we, yeah. we so often get imbalanced too yeah. easily don't we yeah and i think you know over the last maybe 30 years, there's been a re-emphasis maybe on sort of what you might call like penal substitutionary atonement. Mm -hmm. And that's in response to some not very helpful teaching. And mm. um, so I understand why sort of, I guess in, in my lifetime, I'm 38. Oh, youngster. Like, <laughs> in my lifetime, I feel like, yeah, most of the books that I've read about, or most of the books that have been published in my lifetime on the cross, have been about that element of sort of a punishment for sin, mm. which is utterly true and is in scripture, but it isn't, it isn't the only lens. Yeah, it's it's not the whole picture, view. is it? It isn't. Yeah. It's not the whole picture, but it isn't even the only lens which you can view the cross through. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think throughout mm. Christian history, I think people have maybe had a more holistic mm. understanding of exactly what, Christ was achieving mm. um, and 
what it was all for. Yeah. And I think for me, like, yeah, reading some, yeah, reading some older guys, like even, you know, some of the, the fathers or someone like Aquinas or, or even Luther and Calvin, mm. like really helped me to think, oh, okay, like this is a point in history where we are massively emphasizing this. Yeah. And there are really good reasons for that. But actually like that, I know for me in my life, that hasn't been massively helpful. Yeah. So, so I suppose this circles back to, doesn't it? Um, you said about when you're struggling to look up experiences, his presence every day, that other Christians can help you with that. That applies to Christians you know, mm-hmm. books you're reading, dead Christians who've written books. Yeah. It's it's having the right influences around you, isn't it? Yeah, so that people are pointing you to the the whole picture of God yeah. in the Bible. And I like what you're saying there. You know that we don't all have to have PhDs in theology. Well, yeah, none of us have. Um, <laughs> but um, that to to be able to look up, we need to have be looking at the God who loves us and who saved yeah. us. So our, our doctrine of God, yeah. if you like. Yeah. And I think, I mean, if you're someone like me, who's maybe a bit I don't know, pessimistic about everything, a bit cynical, <laughs> then actually that like is genuinely really hard mm. to, to perceive of the idea that God could love me just because mm. like, that's really like, for me, that's really hard. And so I sort of have to keep on reading those verses and keep on pressing into it. And hmm. yeah, even I, I know that when I was at my absolute lowest, like, like even prayer was yeah. really hard because I would imagine that hmm. this God that I was praying to sort of didn't like me very much. Hmm. And, um, yeah, actually like, that's not, the, that's not true at all. Like God, hmm. God delights in my prayers. God delights in, um, the relationship that he has with me. Mm. And even as I say that, that's like, does he though? Yeah, he does. <laughs> like, <laughs> But this is where you need other Christians, right? Because yeah. I remember um, back some years ago when I was uh, sort of struggling with burnout and depression, and I remember saying to a good Christian friend in ministry that at one point something that was happening, I felt like that was... I said, I know what I would say to someone else, but I just feel like oh, this is because of a particular sin in my life. Yeah. And... He need, and him needing to say to me, Matt, God's just not like that. Yeah. I think that's actually the phrase he used. Yeah. yeah. And he took me back to some simple Bible truths mm-hmm. and almost started again. Yeah. And I, that's what I needed at the time. And I think that's, I mean, I briefly mentioned Job mm. on Sunday, but that book is incredible because that's what Job's friends say all the way through, right? Mm. It's because you did this. Yeah. Or what have you done? Mm. And I think the wonderful thing about the book of Job is that it, you sort of end up with a situation where it's just not as simple as that. No. And Job knows that and he sort of rants and raves. And then at the end, God meets him. Mm. And I think John Walton is wonderful on this. Job never understands why, but what he does come to learn is that whatever happens, he can trust God. Yeah. Yeah. And like, mm. I find that hugely comforting. Yeah. Um, I know we talked about suffering a little bit, didn't we? But that whatever happens, God is with us. And I might never come to understand all the answers, but mm. what I can come to understand is that he loves me through that yeah. more than I can possibly imagine. Amen. And I think that's probably the word, isn't it? That that word with is the one mm. that you kept coming back to on Sunday. And that's the bottom line here, isn't it? That that God is with us and loves us and is for us mm. in the hard things. Yep. And, and at the times we can't see that, we yep. need other Christians around us. Yep. Reminding us of that, reminding us what God's like, mm-hmm. praying for us when we can't pray ourselves. Yep, um, 
yeah, that's, that's so so important. Yeah, really grateful, Tom, for for what Pleasure. you brought us on Sunday. Um, so Wednesday, uh, Wednesday night, tomorrow night, you um, you and Nez are sharing at Mission Prayer meeting. Yeah, Evan sharing as well, or is he not I mean, anything planned? We might have some like fart sounds to share with you. <laughs> the question you've got to answer is: Will people concentrate on anything you and Eris are saying? It, when Evan's there taking all the attention. Well, Ness said like, oh, he was like laughing all the way through on Sunday morning and I just must have blanked it. Um, I didn't hear him at all, but Ness was like, oh, it was really distracting for everyone around us. Maybe I should have taken him out. <laughs> not at but, all. Um, oh no, de- you know, there'll be riots if you don't bring yeah. him along, basically. Yeah, we'll so we, we look forward to seeing you on Wednesday night. Um, yeah. see, see you guys on Sunday and we're back in Hebrews and uh, Dave is starting us off on um, Hebrews 13. So join us then.